So Emily, when was the first time you heard that word? I was 12 from memory and I had picked up a Stephen King book from the bookshelves in our house. Like you do. Yeah, as you do. Um, I mean, we, we weren't told what we could or couldn't read um, and I was reading, I can't remember which book it was. Hello and welcome to this episode of Play Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Duncan. And I'm also your host, Alison Horsley. And we're both dramaturgs, meaning we read a lot of plays. We've likely read the plays you feel you should have, but didn't. And that's where Play Notes comes in. And today we're going to talk about the first of two phenomenal monologues. By women. By women. Yes. For women. For women. Well, to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And this is... The Vagina Monologues by Eve Ensler. Yay! Yay! Now, vagina wasn't the word that we were talking about in the intro. No. Uh, but we, but, but just we'll a, a warning. We will say the word vagina quite a few times in <laughs> and this the other episode. Word. And the other word. Eventually. In this episode as Please well. don't fall over and die. Yeah, well, that would be terrible. It's, it's, a, it's a while since I was 12. Things have changed, but we also appreciate for some people... Their cunt is polarizing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it, 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 is. it is it is a polarizing Not for polarizing. me any longer, but you know. It, well, and it depends on what nation you're in. Because frankly, you know, Aussies throw around the word cunt like it's You'd be a just, good cunt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, but in America, woo! Right. No, that's like the that's like the queen mother of the of the bad words. Right. That's almost, that's worse than the F word. Okay. Yeah, and one of the reasons that this was a phenomenal work is how it really addressed head on. Yeah, what was widely considered really taboo language. Yeah, especially in the theater for people to be performing, and also in a title. Yeah, the ladies of the twin set and pearls, and yeah, yeah I'm clutching my pages, pearls yes. as we as as we speak, <laughs> even thinking about the word vagina. Yeah, and I I told you how I had a really big missed opportunity. Yeah, around the vagina monologues. Yeah, so what, what well, I was that? Have it was. So when I was at uh, studying at the Lee Strasberg Theatre Institute in New York City, that's when um, the Vagina lo- Monologues was um, the first performed. week performed by Eve Ensler. Yeah, um, and, was, and so she, and so she started that in 96, nine, right? 96, yeah. this would be 96, 97. Yeah. Uh, and uh, an older woman said to me, who was a professional actor, said you should really try and go and see this play now i was really quite skint so if i was going to go to a play I'd, mm. yeah I'd, yeah i'd have to skint sort of means poor but yeah, right. yeah yeah okay. yeah 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 okay. yeah yeah um i probably like most people studying theater or working in new york city can actually afford to go to broadway productions mm-hmm. oh the fucking irony yeah yeah um yeah uh but admittedly the name of it did put me off. And yeah. I, I didn't know what to think of it. I thought, what is this, some, like, gynecological 
musical i don't know yeah i was well i was talking to a friend the other day and this is like this, this is the adult. other day an friend. adult yeah. the other day who who i said i said that we were covering the vagina monologues in mm-hmm. this podcast and they made a joke about like vaginas you know speaking uh yeah. which you know on one hand yeah kind of funny on the other hand this is this is a major work of of you know of theater history and literature yeah you know and it's and it's still a bit of a joke because of the word vagina Yes. Right? Like yeah, 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 I mean yeah. it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Um but yeah, so Eve Ensler uh is is, is she created this work after mm-hmm. interviewing hundreds of women, like two hundred women, um, about their sexuality and their vaginas and their relationships to their bodies and uh and all of that, and then crafted it into a series of monologues. Mm-hmm. Now they're not verbatim, right? Yeah, we were talking earlier about, you know, how would you define this form of theater mm. and that it is a form of docudrama mm-hmm. yeah um i also consider it a form of community theater and that she worked with various communities in order to oh yeah know, pull the work together oh you know? interesting because i like i my what i would interpret as community theater is that is the availability of the material for community groups to perform ah, but okay. i think that means it's both I mean, it, it's funny that it's like all of the above. Yeah, and that's and, rare, and, and, I think, for a play. Yeah, and see, my the the, the short amount of training I've had in community theatre. Yeah, it was the approach of, and then there are, as you say, there are there are various definitions. Same with docudrama. There's yeah, a whole yeah. range. There isn't one, you know. Yeah. Um, post in the ground that defines it. Um, I tend to think of. Yes, there are community theatre productions where you might think of like Amdram productions right, or such yeah, like. Yeah. But there's also those community theatre works, um, which the work itself and mm-hmm. how the work um, is conceived and produced is very much community focused. It'll be yeah. telling the story of community and how much professional practitioners are part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that can very yeah so basically one professional practitioner who goes and says right let's tell the story of i don't know the flour mill that was in the town mm-hmm. and you get everyone involved in the production to you know be part of the production team and they're the performers but they also have this professional practitioner who's experienced in the form yeah sort of yeah. leading and mentoring them whereas i think of also this form of community i think of it as community theater and that um and her and eve ensler's approach of um, putting the work together, um, she did all these interviews mm-hmm. with real people. However, she does also say, this is not a verbatim work. Do you want to explain verbatim a little bit? Yeah, well, so the- verbatim theatre is uh, is theatre that's taken literally verbatim uh, from interviews and, and things like that, whereas in this case, Ensler has used some of her own language in in tying the monologues I guess is internal glue within the monologues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is the is the major thing I think of? Yeah, and her and while um, most of the monologues, uh, you, they they seem to come from the voice of a specific character, mm-hmm. but she has modified it from 
the person or people she's interviewed. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're like an amalgamation. Yeah, so they're an amalgamation of multiple people that she interviewed. So it's not, now I'm going to be Betty who talks about this one particular thing. Betty from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she creates a character that's representative of a couple of these real-life people. Where something more like the Laramie Project or more of a docudrama or even verbatim theater is going to be much more true to actual language that has been spoken yeah, by Yeah, sometimes someone. it's very exact, right, down to the movements that... Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that's a whole other kettle of fish. It <laughs> is! And we've kind, of, we've kind of touched on it, but I really think it gives people a bit of an idea about what, you know, how she put this work together. Yeah, and it and it does say a lot about this particular work that um, in she talks about how in the earlier days of, of the performances of it, often they would do it at universities and stuff, and, like, the theater departments wouldn't be involved. It would be other groups of people uh, doing it. And, and I, I'd read that in one place where she had talked about that. And then I had this memory, and I realized the same thing happened at my university, where, like, the theater department didn't do anything with the vagina monologues. It was, like, somebody else on campus who was producing it. So it's it's very much a community-led uh, initiative, initiative is what I mean. And now. this is another part of the ongoing phenomenon that mm-hmm. is the vagina monologues. Um, there's the V-Day movement. Yeah, and what is Did that? You... What does the V-Day movement oh, stand oh, for? V-Day. Uh, what, well, is the V. Most, v, yeah. v for also, not vendetta. Yeah. Or also, for vagina. Yeah, but also violence. Yeah. So uh, it used to take place on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movement around you know raising awareness of violence. Against women, against specifically. Women. Um I directed a number of years ago now um, a V-Day reading of the vagina monologues Mm -hmm. from memory because I've got my copy of the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and the book reads, it's a bit like we were talking about in the last episode of um, End of the Golden Weather, the the published book version of vagina monologues. It reads almost more like literature as opposed to a play script. Yeah, it could be a novella you know, or a series of essays by one particular writer. It's it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't read like it's like a play script. Yeah. Um, but from memory, uh, when we did the V-Day reading and we, um, you know, used a group of women mm-hmm. here in this neighborhood in Autipoti, Dunedin, um, the V-Day organizers sent you the version of the script Okay. It's like a PDF. Version. So the monologues have changed over time or they've evolved? Some have been evolved, adapted. I, from memory, I don't think all the ones in the book were in here. Something we had discussed is, you know, has the work dated? Is it still appropriate? Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that some have been updated. I haven't read them. So the original collection of monologues, for example, doesn't have any transgender right. voices. Yeah. Yeah. And I gather that's been addressed. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yes. It, yeah. There's there's been uh, I guess a completely trans uh, production of it, and I imagine I imagine more than just the one, but yeah. I, I know of at least one. Yeah, uh, where they have, and so pr- so presumably the language has been addressed, and and the interviews as well. And way that really sort of encapsulates what theatre is. It's it's a living document. Yeah, even though plays do get published in to books. Yeah, 
But if you want the rights to perform it, I mean, then you then you usually in order to to get the rights to do that, you have to contact the publisher and get whatever the most recent script is or or have that conversation. Yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Alison, because often I'll get books, you know, like um, this is not an endorsement. (laughs) They don't sponsor us, but you can if you like. Um, For example, Nick Hearn Books is a publisher of plays. We love you, Nick Hearn Books. (laughs) If you did want to sponsor us, that would be fine. We're here for you. Um, They... You know, often when you purchase one of their plays, mm-hmm. they publish them to tie in with a, you know, like a West End yeah, production. Yeah, yeah. usually it's in, in conjunction with... Yeah. Yeah. And they'll often have a note and... I suppose I'm probably digging around in it. But it will say, you know, this was the most update version of the script as we went into production. Mm. And they'll note that, you know, there may have been changes... Mm-hmm. made to the script mm-hmm. and the process of rehearsing yeah. the play. Yeah, and well and that's that's part and parcel of working with a play that is by a living playwright. Yeah. Uh, and that's the other thing that we haven't frankly we haven't dealt with that yet in the podcast. Oh, we're only just getting there. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, there are, it's alive. We're past the dead white men. Yay! That's right. Now we're on to the live yeah, white women. Recognition for all they've done. <laughs> yes, yes, they did They did a whole lot. Yep. But yeah, Eve Ensler is still alive. She yes. was born in 1953. And, and I'm making uh, this I think uh, 53 or 52 around 53. there. Um, yeah. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Is, we'll get to wait next. She's yeah. She's like 12. She's so young. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so and, and that's why these plays are still living documents because because the playwright's still alive. Uh, as a playwright, I'm sure you can identify with this that the play is never really, really done, quote unquote. No. Until no. you are. No. Yeah. Yeah. When she first produced the play, she performed it herself, and then another part of the phenomenon of vagina monologues was that all these celebrity performers often would come in. Mm-hmm. Um, there were the multicast performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, yeah, yeah, Lily Tomlin. People coming in and doing this. Goldie Hawn. Yeah. yeah. And the, I always think of them like benefit concert yeah. performances. Yeah, well, and that has that has spun off into into similar types of work to raise awareness around different subjects, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's the breast cancer one as well. Right. Um, you know, the, the that I think there had been a production of here in Dunedin a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so it feels like a form that, that can hold a lot of different conversations where, yeah, you can have a cast. And almost, especially with something like this, how many monologues, do we know how many monologues comprise a standard performance of this now because if it was hundreds of you know interviews that she did Mm. she probably wrote a number of them Mm -hmm. Uh, but of course there's a finite number of monologues in the published version and in your standard production script right yeah so you could have a rotating cast come through you can have people splitting a monologue presumably all kinds of stuff some of the monologues are clearly written for multiple voices Mm -hmm. yeah and we should probably talk about what some of the different monologues are. Yeah, because we were, it's something that, you know, jumps out at me, even though they're, this is my playwright hat on, is even though they're, they're distinct monologues, I still see an overall structure in how they're arranged. Mm. If we go almost back to, you know, Aristotle's sort of 
our forming your yeah arc. yeah arc yeah. I mean, summarizing our, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the climax and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, one thing I've noticed in particular is that the monologues I find even really quite difficult to read. Mm-hmm. The violent. Yeah. So ones, so ones particularly female genital mutilation or mm-hmm. war rape. Yeah. Yeah. She sort of put them towards the center mm-hmm. of the collection. Yeah. So um, they range in topic from from a, a monologue about, you know, a woman who... Um, Some of them are really joyful. Yeah, yeah. And funny. Yeah, discovering their vagina for the first time, yeah. having sex with a woman for the first time, having sex... I mean, like, all, all these... Doing ridiculous things. Yeah, yeah. Just covering at birth. You know, so there's That's their right. monologues covering the range of experiences... You know, <laughs> and the published version I have it. It ends with the birth, mm-hmm. which is you know, it's joyous and miraculous and all that. Yeah, so it's all it's all the things that vaginas can do. Yes, um, and and be, a lot of the things that they don't, don't do, do or that people haven't done with them. But, but, <laughs> but then, I was saying to you, I I reread the reread them the other morning, and I still find I find it very difficult even to reread those violent ones. Mm-hmm. I was saying to you, they're almost more bearable in a performance setting because you're with a group of people. Yeah. And I'm not, they're, not, they're in no way gratuitous. That's not what I'm suggesting. But um, it, they are brutal. Well, it's, it, it, actually, it's making me think a little bit about the Greek idea of the purge, of, you know, of, of, a, of a purging of emotion in some ways, and that being a shared experience, how do you address a taboo? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, and it's and it's through that collective power of, of a group of people coming together for a shared experience, mm-hmm. and yeah, and maybe maybe that is what it, maybe that is the the point of it in some ways. I mean, and and as we as you mentioned, those monologues, the ones that are tougher to read, particularly the ones that, that have more violence in them, are kind of in the middle. So they're couched uh, between, you know, between a more joyful but also sad monologue that kind of starts it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then a birth one in in the published version that ends it. And then in the middle, there's a monologue that addresses the word. The word, yeah, can't. Ah, you said the word. I said the word. Oh, sorry, North America. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but but like we, but like she doesn't start with the Kant monologue. No, no, no. And, 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 and um, you know, my understanding is that there have been performances where the whole audience is saying it together in unison. Let's break this taboo down. Yeah, Let's yeah. Let's own this. Yeah, yeah. And it is about reclaiming that and, and breaking down breaking down the language to, to get to the heart of whatever cultural or society societal misogyny there is. How word is weaponized. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, how the words are weaponized, and then that ties in with the V-Day thing as well. That, you know, like, literally, violence against women, yeah, that it's a physical violence as well as the words. So what else do we want to talk about with this play? Well, I think we've covered a lot of it, and I I just want to come back to before we end, because we haven't sort of touched on this with the other pieces. We talked about, you know, the power of attending a performance of this work Mm -hmm. and also recognize that might not be possible for everyone yeah 
but I don't know if you can find performances of it. She, there I are a lot really on YouTube. Meant, okay. Yeah. yeah, of of Eve Ensler doing it. So yeah. there are a lot of sections of the monologues of her of her doing it, and it gives you a great sense of um, of the range of characters that can be portrayed. Mm-hmm. And you also get. I mean, it's cool because you get Eve Ensler as a as a visual as a performer. Is a very is a very particular look, mm-hmm. you know, like she has her little haircut, her aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. There's an aesthetic, and and it gives you a sense, I think, of of that um, of I guess that organizing principle behind the monologues that there is a singular voice behind it, and yet it's these different stories. Yeah, you know? and so I think watching her do it gives you a sense of the original creation of, of the show. But yeah, I watched quite a few of them online because I, I never got a chance to see her actually do it. But yeah, definitely access it. Um, it and, you know, and then when live theater is happening, <laughs> you know, yeah. and people do it, then do go see it. And read it. it. Yeah, and read it. Do read it. I mean, because for me, one of my favorite, we always try to end with a favorite thing about, you know, about the shows. But yeah, I love that this play gives so many women in particular just permission to to use the word and to, i mean it's still such a weird taboo even just the word vagina which is a physiological <laughs> word <laughs> you know it's not even profanity or anything and yet it's still something that you just don't hear it's still kind of a, a taboo somehow so go out and hear it yeah vagina <laughs> What about what about you, Emily Duncan? Anything to add on that front? No, I think we've covered it all. All right, I think we both Most should say the word vagina again. Vagina. Awesome. <laughs>